and uh, yet a reunion has to be reuniting of, of people who believe the same thing and getting them back together in fellowship. Unless there are fellows together, true fellows together in all areas, you cannot be in fellowship, even if you break bread together. Even if you, if you don't break bread together. If you do everything else together, but you are not able to come to an agreement at the table of the Lord, you are not in fellowship in any way. And as hard as it is for me to say, and as much as I hope I would never have to say it, I have had to try to decide within me whether or not people of the amended fellowship are my true brethren. And there are times when I'm not sure that they are. But I will continue studying. I have not, I will not uh, say until I'm sure that they are not my true brethren. But it's harder at the moment for me to feel that because I feel that there are definitely basic doctrinal differences. Thank you, Sharon. Um, yeah, my, uh, just as a comment on that in relation to this proposal, uh, this proposal, at least on the part of the three of us, is being proposed on the premise that we essentially are brethren, and it, that is a, a, an underlying uh, premise. If that was not true, we wouldn't bother. Uh, no, you playing around with that. that. That is our premise. So as long as you know, understand where we're coming from on it. Let's see now. Has a couple of hands over here. Liz? Um, what I'm hearing is that everybody is brethren. Everybody is
discussions, there have been allusions or actual overheads showing some suggested changes, well, not actually changes at all, just suggestions to create a final unity proposal, quote and unquote, maybe I should remove the word final, but in the sense of um, the final draft to be submitted to the uh, community in California, community in California. And if you have the paper suggestions for unity, suggestions for final unity proposal, uh, there were some on the table in there. Uh, this will be a little backwards from what you've got. It just had to do with how it fits best on the paper. But these are the suggestions that we're uh, taking them all together that we would like to recommend be incorporated in the unity proposal voted upon by the, the brethren in California. Uh, these are the suggestions that concern letters of assurance and the proposal itself. And you have already seen the suggestions for the fellowship clause and the implementation procedure. Now, turning over to the back, page two of this form, very quickly, you have the unamended letter of assurance in discussions with Ken and his committee. Uh, they said that uh, there was a sentence in here, I can't remember if I deleted it in. The sentence that moved had to do with the, the sentence concerning um, the principle of responsibility. And I'll come back to that when we get to the overhead on the proposal. But they suggest that if that sentence could be, be moved over to the proposal itself, that this would facilitate matters. Well, uh, we didn't just move that sentence. In moving it over, we um, basically fit it into the proposal so that it would have all the balance that was meant to have. If this were to be accepted, then what you have as the subsequent paragraph is just the two sentences that were there before and that middle one removed. So it simply says, we wish to assure you that we believe covenant relationship initiates a new relationship with God that entails greater privilege and responsibility. Uh, that while we believe this, we fully acknowledge that responsibility begins with an awareness or understanding of God's revealed will, not baptism. We do not believe or teach that baptism is a prerequisite for resurrectional condemnation. That is how the unamended letter of assurance would read. And the last, second to last paragraph, the large sixth paragraph that begins with concerning our relationship, but not until his own blood was shed, um, Ken Brethren felt there was no reason that could be just simply deleted. It wasn't uh, necessary to, to ask this. Well, it will come to the yeah. Uh, I know this is a little confusing. There will be, if you approve all of these suggestions and the implementation, etc., then you'll get that full package in the mail. So then you'll have that opportunity to look at the whole thing. Now, to the amended letters of assurance, they've made some very helpful uh, additions and changes, which I want to bring to your attention. The first is on the paragraph that begins, we in the central ecclesias wish to assure you, uh, I've just basically picked up the part where the change comes in, which is your second sentence. We who have entered into a covenant relationship with God through Christ are in a different relationship from all others. Our relationship has changed because we have consciously accepted the teaching of God and Here's the, the, the change in addition. Have entered by belief, repentance, and baptism into his family, and have committed ourselves to the higher responsibilities and obligations of service in his house. We who have been blessed with such a high calling recognize that we will have to give an account of our service and our works in the light of the covenant we have made. 
those outside the covenant will not be answering for how they lived in light of the covenant, etc. So what it does is it amplifies the importance the amended community uh, places upon covenant relationship and wants us to recognize that they, they understand the higher responsibilities and obligations. They have also added in, as mentioned before, a paragraph that states that the judgment of the baptized and the unbaptized at the same time and place is not at issue here. It's not a first principle issue. Um, it is consistent with what occurred in England, where, as I, I read earlier, I read from the final statement in England, uh, where the unamended community at that time expressed that very concern that they were being asked to believe this. And this is simply a repudiation. No, we're not, no one is being asked to believe this. It's a matter of opinion. It's an uncertain detail. But these, these issues up here belong to the baptized. Time and place is not held to be a matter of detail. This is all they're saying here is that the resurrectional judgment of the unbaptized rebels, uh, where it will, when it will occur, and where it will occur, is not believed to be a first principle. No one is saying you have to believe with the household. They're just saying that their concern is a principle not how God is going to work out the details of that principle. Brother Wright? Uh, again, can I say, if the subject is mentioned, then it has to be defined. But the very fact that now that you put it on the table, could uh, mean that we could believe that it was at the, they were to be judged with the household, but then, that a person was believing truth that didn't fit him for salvation because he believed that somebody on the outside household, right, somebody outside the household would appear in Sinai uh, along with the, those in covenant. You're saying that that is a matter of first principle belief and that you know for certain that they won't appear there? I'm going to think about that. That statement says that it does not matter. It's not believed by us to be a first person. That's right. It does not matter. It's not essential for salvation for us to believe that the baptized and unbaptized will not be at the same time and place. No, that's what the amended are, are saying. That's what they're saying. Oh, that's what. What a come down. You bet. It might be a come up, brother Ed. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the way I meant it. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't mean that uh, in a derogatory sense. <laughs> well, I understand. No, I think uh, that's not a concession. That's an admission. You know, oh, whatever it is, whatever it's consistent it is. with 1957 when they said the same thing. When they had the final statement, it was written into their in final English context. statement. Well, now it's an American context. You mean outside California? What do you mean? North America is different than the So what are you saying? This doesn't address the, the concern? It just reveals a, it supports an already existing concern. Well. Yeah, there are those of us who do not believe that those outside the household of faith will appear at the judgment seat with those within the household of faith. So I think what Ray is saying is that opens up a... Well, what this is meant to say is, because there are some brethren, you know, the unamended have heard that, as Ed is saying, that, well, yeah, they will be at the same time and place, and that's the basis of fellowship. And all that Ken is trying to say, if that's what you've understood, that's been a grave misunderstanding. 
no one has ever wanted to make that detail a basis of, of fellowship. Uh, I, I wouldn't go quite that far. I think that was a grave misunderstanding. Uh, but it, at least it, it's not been anything that I've understood in my lifetime the truth. But thinking about our conversation a few minutes, you know, earlier, lunch or what have you, I pulled out our statement of faith and took another look at where it appears. And it does appear right in that paragraph that specifically calls out the golden seed of Christ. Yeah. So you would have been quite justified in coming to the conclusion if you didn't do anything but pick up a statement of faith and look at it. That that was, you know, a big issue with us. That was why it was put in the final statement. The, the, in the in the letters that were appended to it. Uh, well, in what uh, Street, rather, in these recent uh, publications from uh, CMPA that uh, they make an issue of that, is that they they understood the issues that were facing the household at that time, and it, that this was put in there for that specific purpose. To, uh, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. The CMPA clearly understands this because uh, they were the ones that were involved in that 1957, uh, 53 or 57 reunion. And it's their essential document that we quoted. 53, I'm sorry. So uh, anything that you've read from them, should, I don't think the reason it should be understood that way. I, I, I don't know just what you're referring to. Well, I know they said that they, they couldn't compromise the uh, responsibility. That's right. Responsible because uh, responsibility because of its uh, relationship to the okay. Eastern Sacrifice Christ. Responsibility to a resurrection or condemnation is one thing. Responsibility to that resurrectional judgment being at the same time with the two of them standing side by side, that's not an issue. What is an issue is the other. Just the principle of resurrection. The principle of resurrectional condemnation. Responsibility or resurrectional condemnation. That's the principle. Not the time and place of such condemnation. Let's move on so you can see we can look over the rest of these. Uh, on the, the section that deals with the Sunday school uh, student, they've just pluralized it, if you like, as opposed to make it individual. We assure you that it's not the practice of our Sunday school teachers or instructing brothers to tell their pupils or friends with certainty that they are responsible and now will be raised for punishment. And their brethren felt when they reviewed it that this, this would help, uh, you know, that made very clear. They can't obviously guarantee what everyone would do, but it certainly is not their practice. Uh, now, at the end of the, un the amended, uh, amended assurances, there are the, I'm sorry, Sharon, go ahead. This one here? The rest of that paragraph? The rest of this paragraph is, is, was already in there before. I'm just trying to highlight the parts where there have been changes. Uh, again, we went over this one before. I don't want to read it right now unless you'd like me to. It, it, you can see what part was changed. Uh, last time I threw up essentially the same um, sentences. They've just done a little editorial cleaning up on it. And uh, this paragraph was the same. So this is all, you've already seen this. Now the changes in the proposal actually aren't changed. The, the one was the, uh, remember from the unamended was the ask, asked if they could bring that sentence over that that would help. Another thing that was asked last time, could we have references please? And so we tried to accommodate both these concerns by first of all putting in references on each of the clauses, recognizing that brethren will argue even over the references, but there is some educative value in the references and even in the sequence in which they are quoted. The one um, change, not again, not in substance, but just in form, is 
to take that sentence and Ken asked if, could they just put that in this paragraph? And I said, can you put in the paragraph that reads like a donkey or a camel or something, right? It just doesn't read well. You're saying the same thing twice and that it's too confusing. So eventually in talking this over, um, we came up with basically replacing the first sentence with the similar statement that was in the letter of assurance except where it said resurrectional judgment we put the more preferable word condemnation so god holds a person responsible to resurrectional condemnation based on his knowledge and understanding of god's revealed will when his circumstances are such as to leave him without excuse and then the second sentence which says only god knows who fall in the category of, of that operative principle uh, and would be raised you know, that that disclaimer is still there that's god's prerogative in the matter but it holds the balance and the advantage is that before this which as Tom expressed it last time uh, for all of us, I believe, up here at any rate, was a very critical sentence, a uh, phrase rather, when his circumstances are such as to leave him without excuse. For me, this is a personal expression, this made the clause something I, I could agree with. I could, I could read scripture and, and acknowledge the outworking of this principle because this said possession of mere knowledge wasn't the basis of resurrectional condemnation but the idea that there is understanding and there are circumstances of which together Lorraine? I don't think that's a complete thought I, I, I think you're not saying who this group are God holds the person responsible to resurrectional condemnation based on his knowledge and understanding of God's revealed will when his circumstances are such as to leave him without excuse. But that excuse for what? I, I don't think you're really pinpointing. Do you know what I'm saying? Leave him without excuse as in terms of what he's doing? Yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's something left out of there. There's nothing really pinpointed. You're just saying people are held responsible. It sounds like it could be anybody, you know. Okay, so the question is, it should be a completed sentence is without excuse to what? Because right. they didn't obey right. or something like well, that? Well, yeah, you're not, you're not saying who this is. You're just saying any person. You need to define that specifically. What circumstances, you know, when or what person? Apparently, that's what Lorraine was getting at at one point, trying to think it through, so I, I know what she's getting at. Do you understand what she's getting at? This is attached to the paragraph before it, right? Yes. Not the qualifying thing? In a certain sense, it should say like the previous one did, that though God holds such people responsible. Yeah, they have to be you know, qualified uh, So, uh... Hey, don't muddy the water. Yeah, I know. Worse and worse, but I see what she—that's what she's saying. But this is a quote. Is this a quote from Roberts here? No, no, no. It is not a quote from Roberts. No, it's, well, it's, it's very close, close to from Roberts. To Roberts, we've been uh, trying to pick up on that paraphrase, and you're right. We are muddying it up a bit, and it is critical because it is, as Jim's pointing out, the way it originally was was something that we had CMPA not only agreement to, but they worked long and hard in getting that evidence. All day it was spent on that one sentence. But this would pass, <laughs> this would pass muster with CMPA now? Well, we think so. We're, we're, primarily, we're primarily doing this uh, to enable us to sew things up in, Cal in Southern California. Because we wanted to simply move it for data from one to the other. That's what we wanted to do. Uh, if you moved it around and said, and it's, it's, this, this may pinpoint what I'm saying, based on his knowledge and understanding of God's revealed will, God holds a person responsible to resurrectional condemnation. That doesn't make sense. When the circumstances are such as believe without excuse, without excuse for what? Well, you know what? You, you see what I'm saying? There's no problem. Oh, okay. The reason for that is, I suppose, is this is where Brother Roberts phrased it. Uh, as they're certain, leave them no excuse for such refusal. 
Now, he's got those who refuse subjection to right. the will of God. Right. A, a phrase like that needs oh. to be in there. Do you see what I'm saying? Or, as this, what he's getting at is, uh, when you go up one before, God was first and level of resurrection and judgment based on his knowledge, that then you don't have the presupposition of the condemnation. And then, uh, then you don't have to say without excuse for what, because the outcome is, is left open because it's a judgment, theoretically. You get a very open sentence there without pinpointing who it is and having any qualifying. That'll have to be corrected. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have any. That's the less defined, the better. No, no, no you're, you're making a real blanket statement there. A real blanket statement that doesn't say anything really to me. Okay, but you do appreciate whether this should then also say uh, without excuse for his refusal to submit to the will of God. But say who the person is or who the group are or what they're doing. Why you, the, but, but you're not saying what they're doing when the circumstances are such as to leave him without excuse for what? Right, okay, your, your point is taken. Okay. This is the responsibility section. S T O N. Late for the day, yeah. You better get that one in because I endure enough of yours. <laughs> Brother Marco, you have a comment to make in the midst of this? Responsibility section. I'm aware of that. Okay. But you've got after judgment of all others in the responsibility section. You've got a major model principle. Now, are you deleting that or, or adding something lower? You've got an overhead of the original proposal. Oh yeah. Why don't you? It's hard to see where it fits. I you know. Yeah. That's true. I sure wouldn't want to get a reaction to the camera. Thank you. 
God's righteousness and justice for the man. Well, that's contradictory. I mean, the point is the the articulation of a principle upon which God's justice is exercised over unbaptized men and women, and the principle is that of uh, an understanding that they've got of His will. But it's an understanding; it's not in the abstract. It's in conditions that make a claim upon Him, and He realizes that His rebellion against uh, this light in the true biblical sense of it, not in the possession of knowledge. Um, have left him that his rebellion now is as Jesus says they are even they are called evil right and it's the grounds of their condemnation because they have responded this way because of the circumstances in which they uh, they, they were put in by God so all this is stating a basic principle it is not trying to articulate how God is going to work out all the details which is a very important we went through a lot of struggle personally to come to grips with some of the demands or the things that amended brethren were asking of unamended brethren and that's what's true why you say it's a contradiction I don't think it's a contradiction well either you have a principle upon which God operates or he doesn't to say if he will operate is saying you don't know if he does or doesn't have a problem I didn't say if he will operate I said if his righteousness and justice so demands oh we do have that that's in the very next sentence in the proposal the very next sentence says uh, something to that effect yeah only God knows who among the dead in every age are guilty of disobeying his commands and will require a resurrectional consultation. Yeah, it does state that. But it says only God knows. It's subject to his... No, I don't that's what only God knows. All I'm saying is that God will act upon his righteousness and his justice as that demands it's very possible for God to take a man whom you described as a divine rejecter and out of mercy not raise him. Right. Then those circumstances are such that God does not deem him but it's based on his righteousness and justice, not on the circumstances. Would it be more merciful for God to take somebody who did submit to baptism and hold him responsible to the judgment seat of Christ when he put forth a good effort and not in his mercy raised one who rejected it and was never baptized? Would that be more righteous of God? Well, it may be more righteous in our eyes, but it's, it's God is going to judge that one, not me. Well, the issue is God is going to do what is right. All we're seeking to do is to establish the common ground of belief as to what is the, the operative principle as God expresses himself and his, his ways among men. This is simply a, a reaffirmation that God deals with men in terms of justice, his own judgments, if you like, on the basis of their knowledge and understanding of what he desires them to do. Yeah, the qualification of the circumstances is to interject that it's not just sheer knowledge, as if head knowledge somehow is the issue. The, the words of Jesus in John 15, for example, that if I had not come and spoken these words which none other man ever spoke, they would not have had sin. Now we might have said, well, maybe God will or will not hold them responsible. But Jesus says they are responsible because I've spoken these words. And then he went on and emphasized and said, if I hadn't done these, you know, these, these works among them, which none other man had done, they would not have had sin. So the grounds of their sin, brand new sins now, which have been committed, to which God was going to hold them guilty, and apparently in a resurrectional sense, was their refusal to hear those words and to heed those works that he did. Now those are circumstances. In those circumstances, God's righteousness was expressed, yes. But those were the circumstances, and that's the intent of, you know, of that phrase about circumstances. They left them without excuse. They could no longer say, a man, and in John, end of chapter John 9, Jesus said, if you said you had no sin, you still would have been blind. I mean, if you, no, I'm sorry, I quoted that wrong. Uh, if, if you said that, that we see, 
But then we don't see or something. If you, if you said we don't see, that would have been fine. If you say that we do see, sin then your sin remains. Blindness was no longer the case in their presumption. And so the circumstances, again, their sin was based upon their response to the light of God as it was manifest in the Lord Jesus in his words and in his works. That was because God's righteousness through his Jesus Christ demanded so. Yeah, Mark, well, it's all an expression of that, but it's still the circumstances in which he puts them. If he hadn't put them in those circumstances, as he said, they wouldn't have been uh, sinners and they wouldn't have been uh, held responsible for what they did. All I'm saying is, you know, we, we keep declaring that God is it's in God's hands. Uh, we keep saying that God's going to do right and yet we really don't trust that he will. And so we, so we want to have to clarify or classify as such. And I, I see, I, I see all we need to say in the statement is that you know God's justice and, and righteousness. If God's justice and righteousness demands, then that's what will happen. But if it doesn't demand that, then it won't happen, no matter what we say about it, no matter what we think is right and just about it. Fine. But no one disagrees with that. I don't think that's ever been an issue between. Never been an issue. We're trying to deal with things that are an issue and try to clarify the things that are an issue. Okay, our time is 25 to 5. I want to keep you aware of the time. Uh, in the interest of, I guess, expedience, uh, is, it, is it desirable to change that point there, as Marco was suggesting, well, or do we go on from there? I, I can make one recommendation. Brother Jim Land has put up what it would look like with that addition in here. Um, we can go through this. If this appears to be acceptable and you'd like to go ahead with it, fine. If you feel that it isn't, but you feel that the problem could be resolved, then you certainly could make that, uh, you know, ask the, you know, create a committee and ask that committee to work with these brethren and work out the, the problem. Um, Going with what he has said here, a major Bible principle covering the liability to condemnation of such is based on the rebellion or disobedience of enlightened men who knowingly reject the counsel and commands of God, just as before. God holds a person liable to resurrectional judgment based on his knowledge and understanding of God's revealed will when his circumstances are such as to leave him without excuse. We do not believe or teach. I do. You don't have the right next sentence. No, he doesn't. I pulled it out of the problem. You missed it. Oh, you missed it. Yeah, this one is... Um, you skipped down a lot. Yeah, could you just insert the word disobedient and that other one on page 2? God holds a disobedient person responsible and then that would make sense? Would that... I'm sorry, let me just get... Uh, God holds a disobedient person responsible. That, that qualifies who the person is. Does that fit? Would that do it? Okay, you would suggest the word, I, I, where I see it going in interest of time, is we're getting some good suggestions, and I think the best thing to do, instead of trying to create another camel here that has seven humps, um, we we can work it out. Work it out if the general principle is okay. is okay to include in the proposal. Now, remind you that that doesn't mean that it's okay in terms of what you believe, but in terms of the proposal, uh, work it work it out. What I'm saying is you have to eventually vote as to what you do you know believe should be an acceptable basis. Um, I wonder if all of us are willing to be judged by Christ on the basis of what we have written. I guess each man will answer for that when they vote on the matter, Mark. Well, I think that's very critical because I'm very highly at least if I must misunderstand, one of the things that God does is he judges us by the way we act and the way we Talk. Yes. And if in fact this is what we're going to hold men to, then this is probably what he will hold us to. In which case, I wonder how many of us know God as Jesus did. Okay. And our responsibility of resurrectional judgment is based upon knowledge, knowing God. 
That's right. I, I want to give another time for exposition what that word means. Uh, well, I'm not sure there is. Would it be possible to do like the uh, FOU uh, uh, brethren have done? They've sent out a proposal and said, will you agree with this? Is this enough? If not, then what? Yeah. And then let everybody handle it in their own way. This way, we're uh, obviously we don't agree. We're just hassling points here that we don't agree on. So why not let everybody do it in his own private? way and, and put his reasons for why he wouldn't accept it or, or change it in the way he wants it. That certainly could be expressed in any any final vote. Uh, I think that the point of having something presented is the amended brethren in Southern California have already voted on this proposal. Uh, all of the suggestions to what we would incorporate into our proposal to send out um, are such as consistent with their, you know, what they voted on at that time. Uh, otherwise, we create two entirely different. See, part of the thing is it's time to say either this is acceptable or not. We've gone as far as we can go. Ken and brethren have gone. They have gone as far as they can go with their community. This represents where they can go. Um, and the question is now we need to respond to that and say. Can we come this far to meet them? Now, if we can, okay. If we can't, then um, that's it. Other people can come along in another generation and take care of this. Okay. I'm, I'm 40 now. I can turn it over to somebody else. Karen, we're 40. <laughs> So, um, that's what I would like to recommend, uh, that if the, the idea is, is acceptable as it was originally worded and as it is the assurances, if something can be worked out that expresses the same substance, then I would like to uh, you know, seek your approval for that, uh, for whomever you vote to carry this on. Yes. I right. think basically it's very well written and it expresses things very well. And it's been done, I think, in a wonderful spirit and I think we should commend all the brethren that have worked so hard on this. I think they're, it's a really, a, it's quite a labor. It's been going on forever. I think it's a good thing. I, I, is it time to have a vote? Well, where we are is you've heard finalized proposal in that the way that we just mentioned letters of assurance the suggestions you've seen there and the implementation procedure we have discussed so in a sense we have reviewed this um, and Bob I think we come to the point of seeking a motion to accept this revised package if you like um, for the, 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 with the flexibility of uh, with the flexibility on that one point, get uh, the wording in the right order there or whatever. If that you know, brother would seek to do that, and then either approve or uh, disapprove that being sent out. Which is All right. So we're open to have a motion for the uh, uh, submission of this proposal. Uh, in a final uh, form that, that isn't as, in a, a dozen different sheets of paper like this, but it is one package to the unamended community uh, for their consideration. Uh, Excuse me, just how would that be done? You just send this out and then would you say, you know, uh, how, how do they approve or disapprove this? There would be a ballot on the end of the proposal. It would be similar. Similar. Similar to the one that you got from the amended, yeah. you know, that the one of well, the so amended. there would be some place to write it if you didn't disagree or what, yeah. how you what you have to have it in yeah. that type of right. Okay. And there'll be a cover letter saying that um, if you don't agree or if you'd like to uh, amend the wording. You can to, state I mean, your people will know that by something stated in the document sent to them? We can state that in the cover letter, yeah. yeah. So if they'd like well, to... Sure, just add, add, add any comments you want. 
and we understand each other pretty well. And, you know, that you want to do that, and it's all right, but there are more that turn out here. That right, that will be put clearly in. Right. Relative implementation, do you feel that that's been covered, eh? We've suggested an implementation procedure, yes. Um, right. you, I'm sorry. The, uh, um, you that would be, uh, we haven't decided about the time, you're right. Uh, that you could also leave somewhat flexible. Yeah, well, you know, something like that. I don't understand. I don't understand. Well, 12, 6 minimum, 12 maximum. Time, I mean, are you going to have, you can have your committee here, you know, that you elect. To decide the exact time period, work it out what would be reasonable, and allow some flexibility to come to the end of that period of time. And brother is saying, whoa, 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 don't stuff this around us so fast. Give us a little more time. Then you know they could officially inform the brother in California that we need to have another three months or something. Well, there's two kind of dates that are critical. One is the the date for submission of the vote. Yeah, the second is the date for beginning of implementation. Well, vote as soon as possible. So it, it will be prepared, well, but the creatures need a, a time to then review it or and vote on it. Let's right. say it's a month or a week or right. a year, right. whatever right. it is that they need to do it in. But that, that information has to be published? Yeah. And then it has to stay in my own and cover letter. So if you give the committee the, the jurisdiction to well, handle that part of it, okay, and then subsequent to that, there's that time period in which it will be presented to the rest of the well, yeah. In the interest of godliness and justice, we're going to have a ton of legwork to do when this goes on. Now, we have already experienced misinformation, what's happened, uh, and the result of it. Uh, a lot of the mail that we have received has been based on misinformation. It is essential, if we're going to draw a line around the state of California, and we're going to say that we don't want to harm anybody, and we want everybody to have equal opportunity, if, it, if this is a viable, workable proposal, or thought to be by most of the brethren, then we have just tons of work ahead of us. And uh, needs a younger man than me, I'm afraid. This is about to bankrupt me. But um, I could not, I can tell you right now, I could not make this fly in Mendocino unless we have that. I'll just make that statement flat-footedly. Unless we have adequate time to assure that there are no injustices done to the brethren, that everybody has an opportunity who wishes to accept this, to accept it. So that's, so that's translated into the 12 months? How much time, I don't know, yes, 12 months or possibly more. Right. Right. Besides the problem of misinformation, we've got a lot of negative feedback based on misinformation. We've got we to gotta try and head some of that off in the interest of truth, if nothing else. Okay, with with that understanding clarified, is there someone want to make the motion? I'll move. Okay, further down. Yes. Move that this proposal uh, be... <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to say it? No, I'm sorry. Let me, I will. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I thought you were waiting for me to say it. Okay. Go ahead. No, that's good. <laughs> I don't want to see it. Okay, I make a motion that we submit this proposal to our unamended ecclesias uh, with the deliberated uh, proposed changes that took place last meeting and this meeting with allowed for comments on every item and that we uh, establish today a committee to handle it and deal with all the paperwork and have
first and on comment. Submit California Unity proposal with changes discussed with space for comment on each item or on the ballot. Space for comments and you can give the space, in other words, for people to say. Good. Submit coloring with changes is discussed with space for comment. Thank <laughs> you. 
a question about uh, absentee votes. Uh, there's a number of brethren who are not here. I've got three absentee, well, I guess actually two at this point, uh, absentee votes that have not seen all the changes. There, there might be a question whether they would approve of the changes. Uh, if you know that they would, then that's something well, they can comment maybe, there, but if not, I suppose. Why would wait for people to vote if that's a problem? Or not. Well, it's really nice. I mean, you know, I mean, everyone's got to be able to like Uncle and everything else. Okay. For the sake of simplicity, why don't we say that there's no absentee vote? I mean, I hate to disqualify those not here, but. Right, right, that's right. If there's a close tie, I think we got more to work on. What did I do with those votes? I lost your vote. Okay, so the question is, 